small business news, advice, and education. This is Startup BizCast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Steve Mullen, owner of Endgame Public Relations, a PR firm specializing in media relations and social media production. This is episode 50 of the Small Business Advice Podcast that takes less time than your average coffee break, Startup BizCast. This podcast is produced by BizPods, the business and corporate podcast production service from Endgame PR. Find out how your business can join the podcasting revolution by visiting www.endgamepr.com forward slash podcasts. So now we are at episode 50, and as this is being recorded, we're only a few days away from the one-year anniversary of the first episode of Startup BizCast, so I'm doing a little celebrating. First thing you've probably noticed, if you've ever listened to this podcast, is that I have a new show open. I've been using my old theme music for the last 40 episodes, and I figured it was time to freshen things up a bit. The other thing I'm doing is looking back and picking out the best advice from the first 50 shows. I picked out a handful on my own and got one listener request for another. This show will obviously be a bit of a departure from the normal interview format, but it'll be chocked full of a wide variety of tips and advice. And you'll also hear the original theme music from Startup BizCast, the one that I used in episodes 1 through 10. I'm pulling it out to use for transition music just for old time's sake. And there it is right now, as a matter of fact. Now, you'll want to stick around to the end of the show when I'll have some information on how you can participate more in Startup BizCast. I'll also have a couple of outtakes from the production of this show, and those are a little bit amusing. Now, our first piece of advice from the first 50 episodes of Startup BizCast comes from way back in episode 2. Jay Cowan from Rivercross Partners was my first guest on the show. Rivercross Partners specializes in exit planning for small business owners or planning for how you'll exit your business and retire. Jay is a great storyteller, and he shared with us a story that really hit home with me about why it's important to plan. It goes back a number of years ago, and you can kind of guess maybe how far back it goes, because I remember going to meet a gentleman who owned a business downtown area near the river, if you will, uh, and he had a re-chroming business. Basically, not all, all they did, but a lot of their work was re-chroming metal car bumpers. <laughs> at, at the time, it was a pretty successful little business. He had about 10 or 12 employees. I did happen to ask him, you know, you know, and I'm just calling Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones, what, uh, what's your exit strategy? How do you plan on getting out of this business one day? And he just, I remember very well, he pointed into his uh, office there through the glass there, and, and there was a gentleman sitting there. He goes, that's my exit strategy right there. I said, what is that, or who is that? And he said, well, that's my son. Ronnie's going to take the business over for me when I'm ready to get out. And uh, Ronnie was about 40. And I said, oh, okay, well, that, that's excellent and great. That's, that's wonderful news. So we chatted a little while, and, and uh, I left. And about a year and a half or so later, I, I was in that area. I decided uh, to stop by and say hello to him just to see how things are going. And um, sure enough, he was there, and we were talking, and uh, we went into the office, and I saw you know, that there was nobody at the front desk. And I asked, well, where's, you know, you know, is Ronnie here? Is he out back? What's he up to? And he says, oh, well, Ronnie, Ronnie's gone for good. He left me. And I was astounded. And I, and I, and I asked him, well, you know, what happened? And, you know, he, I could tell he was still very emotional about it. He says, well, he goes, Jay, actually about six months after your, our meeting, I, I went to Ronnie and I said that I was ready for him to start, uh, you know, working with him for him to take over, that my plan was he was going to take over and, and continue to pay me a salary. 
And he just amazed me when he said that he had no intention of taking over the business, that never had any intention, and that it was uh, it was too much hard work, and it wasn't. It's just a you know a paycheck for him. That he really doesn't want to be involved with any of this. And you know, um, he said I was say I was very upset, and we had an argument. And uh, uh, a few days later, he told me he he was leaving because he took another job, and he has no one at this point now to take over the business. And uh, at the time we had this discussion, uh, Mr. Jones was about 65, and he was way past, you know, having any kind of um, interest in working any longer. But he he didn't feel that the business was worth anything if there wasn't anybody to keep on going. So he just kept working that business into his mid-70s, and um, until he finally passed away, never sold the business, couldn't find a buyer. One of the reasons being the obsolescence of the, the Rechroming bumper business. I uh, wish I could say there was good news because he did own the land that the business was sat on. Unfortunately, though, because of the years of using those chemicals and the rechroming and, and so forth, the EPA came in and said, well, you know, before this land could be sold, you're going to have to clean this stuff up. And so whatever money they would have made uh, selling that land went out to pay for the cost of the cleanup. The, the thing that seems to stop us cold is, is determining your planning is, well, what do I value my business at? If you've got an IRA, you probably know what that's worth. If you have a home, you probably know the real, that value of that, your car. But most business people don't understand what the value of their business is. Yet, that's the thing that they're hoping is going to support them when they're ready to get out. Next up on the Best of the First 50 Startup BizCasts comes from Episode 6. If you've listened to more than a few episodes of this show, you'll know I'm a big proponent of using news release distribution for SEO purposes. In this episode, I talked with Jian Wei from PR Web, one of the best press release news wires in the business. Jian was nice enough to explain why it is a good idea for small businesses to distribute news releases online. It's funny, I think in kind of a in a traditional sense, I think a lot of small businesses look at press releases and news distribution as something um, in the domain of medium and larger sized organizations. Um, and that's, that's traditionally been the case when um, we think about press releases as a, a means of communication between the organization and uh, the mainstream media. But as we kind of are shifting just the general flows of communication, um, all of a sudden, I, what we have really done is, is come and said, you know, it's no longer all about communicating to the media uh, from a PR perspective, but it's also about communicating directly to your consumers uh, in addition to that. And uh, what's really kind of helped it further this along has been um, the increasing popularity of online news portals like Google News and Yahoo News. Uh, and, you know, we have millions of people now going to these online news destinations and getting their news directly from the source. Uh, so it's no longer filtered through the media. And so what really happens in, in this model is that it now becomes possible for smaller businesses to communicate with niche audiences uh, through a lot of these online news aggregators. And so PR Web, uh, one of the goals we have is to help small businesses do this. Another big component of what PR Web does for small businesses is that it really helps them increase their visibility, uh, raise their profile in search engines for a lot of targeted keywords. As we continue our walk down memory lane, let's move to episode number seven, where we'll find a good piece of advice that I doubt I will ever be able to follow. 
In this show, I've talked with Ruth Klein, who's a time management expert, and she gave us her number one time management tip for small business owners. Turn the computer off (laughs) if they're not using it, and if they have to use it throughout the day, which most, of course, people do, is to at least minimize email. And what happens many times is that there's something about email that we have such fun. There's a little excitement there. Who call? Who who just contacted us? What do they want? And um, and that will that will rob us of at least an hour to two hours every single day. Next up on the best of the first fifty is a request. Ben from San Diego. And by the way, Ben didn't give us his business name or his web address. And if you do email me, feel free to give me those, and I'll give you a plug on the air, but Ben suggested via email that I pull out a clip from episode 20, which featured business mentor Jan Wallen. She explained to us how to create an elevator speech. If you only have 30 seconds, you really want to grab someone's attention about what you do. Uh, I find a lot of mistakes that the business owners make with elevator speeches. One is don't waste precious time with your title or the company name you're with or listing a menu of things that you do, hoping that someone will find something that interests them. Uh, The first thing, it's important to have an elevator speech is because that's your first impression someone gets. And you only have one chance to make that first impression. So you want to grab their attention and you want them to say, oh, you do that? I want that. Tell me more about what you do. So in elevator speeches, there are three components that really must be there. The first one is your name. And this is especially if you're giving your elevator speech in a networking group or in front of a large group of people. You want to say your name and what you do for people. That is the results you get for people. And then the third component is what difference does it make to them? Everyone's always thinking what's in it for me. So, for example, if I were a financial planner, I could say, Hello, I'm Jan Wallen. I manage business owners' finances so they can retire two to three years earlier than they thought they could. That's a compelling elevator speech. I've heard a lot of elevator speeches from financial planners, and many of them are like, Hello, I'm Jan Wallen. I'm a financial planner. I put together a financial plan for you. And for most people, the reaction is, so what? Or I don't need one of those. This next piece of advice came from corporate blogging and social media consultant Debbie Weil. She explained to us in episode 34 why blogging is a great idea for both branding and for search engine optimization. It's really both, because if you get found, which is SEO, search engine optimization in Google, and then people find that, wow, you know, this company has some interesting things to say about XYZ issues that are related to their product slash service, gee, maybe maybe I want to do business with them and I can ask them questions and they'll respond back on their blog and seems like nice people kind of thing. And you know what? Even if you don't think of yourself as a thought leader, if you start blogging, it forces you to, I like to call it, think out loud. And it simply forces you to articulate sort of cogently what you're thinking about it. Before you know it, you're a thought leader. (laughs) Our final piece of the best advice from the first 50 episodes of Startup BizCast comes from just a couple of weeks ago. I talked with Laura Posey from sales training firm Dancing Elephants. She gave us a great illustration of why it's a great idea 
to use the new social media that's available to us today, such as blogs, podcasting, Facebooks, etc. She illustrated this by looking into the past, all the way back to the Great Depression of the 1930s. There's a great op- it's a great story that um, came out of Procter & Gamble, who really took off during the Great Depression. Um, they just squashed their competition. And they looked around and said, you know, We've been doing a lot of advertising, and that seems to be working, but how could we do something better? How could we do something different? And so instead of running advertisements in the traditional manner, um, particularly in print, they took a look at this new technology called radio that everybody was looking at. And radio had something that other technologies didn't have. It was a community type of technology. People gathered together around the radio and influenced each other. Um, you had large groups of people gathering around and listening to the radio and then engaging in conversation afterwards. And so they looked at that and they said, well, you know, how can we really leverage that? And they actually decided instead of running just ads on other programs, they decided to create their own programming. And they created this program called Ma Perkins, brought to you by Oxidol. And Ma Perkins was really the very first soap opera. And so they created this programming that was entertaining for people in the Depression, and that's what people in the Great Depression really wanted more than anything. Consumers wanted someone to to take their burden off. And so they created Ma Perkins, who was this horribly tragic character um, who was much worse off than most of the people who were listening. And uh, Ma Perkins, of course, used Oxidol, as did everyone um, in that show. And they they had commercial breaks and that were all about Oxidol. So they really, people associated entertainment and joy with the Procter & Gamble products. And it was so successful, they actually went on to create 20 other soap operas brought to you by various Procter & Gamble products. So that's the best of the first 50 episodes of Startup BizCast, at least as far as I'm concerned. Do you have a favorite? Well, if you do, feel free to email me or comment in the blog post for this episode. Commenting is easy, but if you'd like to email Info at StartupBizCast.com is the address. I'd love to hear from you. Before we sign off, I did want to make sure everyone noticed a new feature on the Startup BizCast blog. It's a great way for you to participate in the show. If you look in the menu bar at the top of the blog page, you'll see a link to share your advice. That will take you to a web form where you can submit your best advice for other small business owners. Check it out and help your fellow businessman or woman, and be sure to mention the name of your business and your web address, and I'll give you a bit of a plug. I'll be definitely reading those in future episodes. I may even bring back my special co-host from episode 45 to help me. So that's a wrap for this special edition of Startup BizCast. I do want to send a big thanks to all of the guests who have taken the time to share their expertise with us in the last year. As I sign off for today, I wanted to share a couple of outtakes with you from the production of this show. My mouth doesn't always work the way it's supposed to, and one of these outtakes actually comes from this particular episode. As always, thanks for listening to Startup BizCast. So not only are we... Not only are we at episode... Not only are we at episode 50, as this is being recorded, we're only a few days away from... We're only a few days away from the one-year anniversary of the first episode of Startup... Why can't I talk? Time now for this week's Startup BizCast interview. My guests this week... My guests this week are the co-authors of a pretty funny and a very useful book that has a great deal of... Time now for this week's Startup...